You're listening to the Do Justice Podcast, exploring faith, meeting the world, from Shining Waters Regional Council of the United Church of Canada. Hello and welcome to Do Justice, the podcast for Friday, November 20th. My name is Brianne Swan. I use she and her pronouns, and I serve as Minister for Social and Ecological Justice with Shining Waters Regional Council, an administrative area within the United Church of Canada. I am recording from my office in Toronto, Ontario which has been a site of human activity for 15,000 years. This land is the territory of the Huron-Wendat and Patoon First Nations, the Seneca, and most recently the Mississaugas of the Credit River. The territory was the subject of the Dish with One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant, an agreement between the Iroquois Confederacy and the Confederacy of the Ojibwe and Allied Nations to peaceably share and care for the resources around the Great Lakes. Today, the meeting place of Toronto is still home to many Indigenous people from across Turtle Island, and I am grateful to have the opportunity to work in the community on this territory. I am also mindful of broken covenants, and the need to strive to make right with all our relations. Shining Waters Regional Council is also an affirming ministry within the United Church of Canada. What this means is that Shining Waters is explicit in its embrace and affirmation of those within LGBTQ2S communities. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered, queer, questioning, two-spirit, and more. Diversity is not just something that is added on. It is diversity which makes us whole. This week is Reign of Christ Sunday, or Christ the King Sunday. And I'm not going to lie... I am very, very excited about this episode. We will be joined by Jeffrey Dale, Minister for Faith Formation, Youth and Young Adults at Shining Waters Regional Council, and you will hear the two of us meander our way through our gospel reading, which is Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. We'll be reflecting on what it means to use politically charged terms like king to describe Jesus what it means to truly follow Christ's instructions, and the subversion that comes if at least sometimes we just take the gospel's words at face value. The reading will be read by me, split up into some chunks, because about a year and a half ago, I was traveling through Texas and had at least some foresight to think that it might be a good place to record something, I just didn't get the whole of what is included in the lectionary this week. We'll hear music by American Seagaze band The Foxfires, 
and some words by Khalil Gibran. But first, here is Calgary R&B and gospel singer-songwriter Jesse Peters with his brand new single, That's Who You Are. You can find the links to Jesse's music as well as the new lyric video for That's Who You Are by going to our show notes at shiningwatersregionalcouncil.ca slash justice. Come on, y'all. Move with it for a minute. We are reaching for the unseen. Holding hope tight to our chest. We are longing to be set free. When will liberation come? So we call on your name. Let freedom come. Let freedom come Love shines in your eyes Bright and morning star You lift the broken to the heights That's who you are Beauty, peace and perfect love That's who you are Healer of the broken heart Come on That's who, that's who That's who, that's who you are that's who, that's who, that's who you are. That's who, that's who, that's who, that's who you are. That's who, that's who, that's who. We are reaching up to heaven. Let your kingdom be here now. We are laying Fall down like rain Hey So we call on your name Let freedom come Let freedom come Yeah Love shines in your eyes Bright and morning star You lift the broken to the heights That's who you are Beauty, peace and perfect love me up so I get up and get it. Spirit flowing to the rafters, yearning for the kingdom here. Forget ever rapture, eternity is now. Chasing justice and love running faster, slamming microphones like blow. Loving my people, great till we equal, till we look at a steeple and see love like wow. Deeper, brilliant, healing feelings popping on Jesus, baby.
are. Hi, this is Brianne, and I am speaking from outside the Walls Unit in Huntsville, Texas. The Walls Unit is the prison that carries out the executions, and it is the site of every Texas execution since the 1920s. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right hand, and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly, I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Joining me for a conversation about today's gospel reading is Jeffrey Dale. Jeffrey and I work together at Shining Waters Regional Council, and we recorded our conversation on Thursday, November 19th, via Zoom, because despite living and working only a few kilometers away from one another, we are still in the middle of a pandemic and sticking to our social distancing. Jeffrey is Minister for Youth and Young Adults in Shining Waters. He will introduce himself a little bit, but what he doesn't mention is that in addition to over 15 years of ministry with the United Church of Canada, Jeffrey is also an accomplished playwright and novelist. This summer, Jeffrey was voted Person of the Year at the 2020 Simcoe Pride Gala Awards for his ongoing commitment to advocating for the LGBTQ2S plus communities in Simcoe County. 
here is our conversation. Hi, Jeffrey. It is great to have you with us on the Do Justice podcast this week. Um, I'm wondering if you can just take a moment to introduce yourself and maybe let us know a little bit about what your role is with uh, the Regional Council. Great. Thank you, Brianne. I'm so excited to be with you. Uh, so my name is Jeffrey Dale, and I am the Minister for Faith, Formation, Youth, and Young Adults in Shining Waters Regional Council. And my pronouns are they and he. And I work um, predominantly in youth and children's ministries, uh, supporting communities of faith, supporting our camping ministries, um, any sort of youth and young adult outreach ministry as well. And then I also work in adults uh, faith formation. And right now that is taking the lens around um, the opioid crisis that Canada is facing and some other health aspects in our church as well. Um, and then I also have been working closely with our music directors in both our regional council and other regional councils around some of the practical issues that they're experiencing during COVID-19, like copyright and um, technology. And so those are some of the areas. If it's something that's around an educational process, I often have my hands somewhere in it. And so we've, we've just, we've been working our way through Jesus's final discourse to his disciples. Next week, we're getting into Advent, so we're getting into a beginning. But this reading is kind of uh, towards the end of, of Jesus's ministry. And as we heard earlier, we hear the words starting out, we heard Jesus being spoken about as, as a king, as a regent, with this really sort of politically charged terminology. Well, it's an interesting one, right? Because um, I have always struggled with calling Jesus king. Well, I, I would say always since I started to learn more about Christianity. Um, and I am, I'm a very sort of big follower of the social gospel movement that existed in the 1930s and 40s and 50s in the United Church of Canada. Um, uh, R.B.Y. Scott is somebody that I really admire, I guess, if I was to pick sort of a person that I admire in the church. And that social gospel movement didn't use the word king, and they used the word master, which I also struggle a great deal with. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm not sure if they're synonymous or not, but I was, uh, this past uh, few weeks ago, I was working on a paper for school around um, Jesus. And I was decide I decided that I was going to struggle a little bit with that word master. And so while I was looking up on thesaurus.com and other places for master, I came across, and I don't know why I didn't think about it before, to be honest, Brianne, was I came across um, what the conductor of an orchestra is called, right? If you're an expert as a conductor of an orchestra, you're called a maestro, oh. which when spelt out is mastro, right? And so I sat there with that and I thought, I could see Jesus as a maestro, a symphony before him that has to be able to play in tune, that has to be able to come in at the right time, has to be together. And he needs them, or she needs them, the, or they need them. The conductor needs the symphony, and Jesus needed followers, or else Jesus would look like a conductor standing in an empty room just waving their hands without anybody doing anything, right? So mm -hmm. that relationship really allowed me to sort of lean into that maestro 
with a little bit of the master concept. I'm still working on the king mm-hmm. one, I will be honest. Yeah, the maestro themselves isn't making the music with their bodies, right? You know, yeah, they are yeah. using they are using the the hands and the breath and um, and the ears of of the people that they are conducting. That's a really really interesting um, interesting concept. Yeah, and I you know, and it it sort of it really allowed me I. I have Royal Conservatory Piano, so it allowed me to sort of look into, for myself, that concept of structure that exists within the church, Mm -hmm. but also where music becomes its own form of a new way, like every piece as it is performed or recorded or whatever, is a new interpretation of that piece. Even if you're the same singer singing it, you have a new experience that allows you to see your music differently. And... So it's the same with the Bible. I think when we see Jesus, each of us have our own experience of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so for me, Jesus has became much more of a maestro than anything else. Yeah. So you were, you were mentioning that you have like a, a tension between um, the terms master and king. Do you see a difference in the terms? Like are they, I think I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah because I think... Um, Kinghood implies, to me at least, that um, as we know from a lot of monarchies of the past, that you're ordained by God to be in that position. You were born for that reason. Master implies that you have developed some form of ownership on earth. You may have been born into it, into a rich family or something like that, but um, there is a bit more of an earthly space in the masterhood I would say um and where that kingdomhood is it's ordained by God that you are king or queen or whatever uh the head of the monarchy so I've always sort of looked at those two and I've always struggled with that ordination by God uh mm-hmm. for like for Queen Elizabeth for example and I don't want to pick on her but she's the only queen I can think of at this moment right is that an ordination by God that she was born into that position? Or is it just happenstance that her uncle fell in love with an American woman and her father had to become, right? Like, Yeah, it seems like there is a lot of roundabout ways for her right. to, become, <laughs> to become queen. Although, I mean, we, we do hear stranger stories in the Bible <laughs> about people um, becoming ordained um i'm thinking it's eliciting for me some of the some of the imagery coming out or the words coming out of the united states right now not that donald trump is formally ordained per se but we do hear that sort of language from some christian groups about god having placed trump there to fulfill a purpose and what they're willing to overlook in his behavior and his actions. Um, Yeah. And we see that in the political systems too, mm -hmm. whether we recognize it or call it ordination or not uh, into a kinghood or into that uh, member of parliament or um, Congress or Senate, um, we see that there is this sort of ordination process by the community. There are people that are handpicked to run, for example, because the, party knows that they're going to toe the line. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're elevated up to the status 
But at the same time, what's so interesting about them is, and where Jesus doesn't even come into this at all, is they're controlled in a, in a way by other people. Right. Right. Like one of the things that's so fascinating is I read this and I go, who is Jesus controlled by? Is it that Jesus is controlled by God? Because it doesn't, I don't, I don't see in the Bible where there's a conversation where God goes, okay, Jesus, here's your agenda for today. You're going to go out and you're going to tell the people this, this, and this, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I still sort of sit and uh, I hold that kingdom hood or that throne of glory, as it says, sort of in the scripture, is something that still needs to be discovered more for myself, but that I'm probably not at this point at a place where um, I see it as beneficial for my own understanding of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, last week we looked at the, the parable of the talents and you have the, the masters and the slaves. And if you want to talk about sort of problematic, jarring <laughs> language, but on the podcast, we looked at it from the perspective of the 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 last slave who does not who just hides the talent in the ground actually refusing to be complicit in the dishonest dealings of of his master but that the first two become because they were they were given the talents like according to to their authority to their to their um proximity already to to the master like they're all they're already established power and influence and and how the higher you get and the closer you get to whatever power structure exists the harder it is to pull yourself yeah. out of it right and and yeah so, and it's interesting because sorry sorry no go but ahead what i love about what you're saying there is because these two pieces the story of the talents and the piece for this week tie together in a very similar fashion. And that is, we start with Jesus as king in today's scripture. And then Jesus talks about when I was hungry, when I was naked, when I was thirsty. And Jesus politically subverts the conversation. Yeah. Just as the, the talents did that political subversion, right? And that, to me, as I work on pieces around the opioid crisis, as I engage in conversations around homelessness and poverty and youth, uh, trans uh, rights issues around conversion therapy, I'm recognizing the need to politically subvert the conversation more so because Jesus identifies uh, himself as the hungry, as the naked, as the sick, as the one that needs care. And we don't identify kings or queens or masters as those people. So that political subversion allows us to sort of take a step back and go, okay, where is the emotional impulse in this? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that takes us really nicely into the, the next part of, of the reading, which listeners will have heard me reading it actually outside the prison in Huntsville, Texas. Jesus is talking about, I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick. And I also, I really, the sheep and the goats though, like the sheep on the goat <laughs> or the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. Like the, this seems to be the only place in literature where she, to be a sheep is a good thing. I think of George Orwell's Animal Farm and you know, it's, <laughs> it is not 
It is not a compliment to be called a sheep. And I grew up on farms and sheep are really stupid. <laughs> They're really dumb. And yet we have this, I always, I always get a kick out of the sheep being ex- exalted. Yeah. The sheep have their moment, you know? Like you said, this political subversion of, of Jesus um, identifying with with those who are who would be considered weak and in need. Well, yeah and i think that like i think that is our future as i think about what our relationship is with the church and our possibility for the church is um we have to as christians that maybe follow a social justice type of practice or the social gospel or something like that we have to be prepared to consistently subvert Jesus from what Jesus has become in our society. Right. Um, And I don't mean, uh, I don't mean what Jesus became in the United church or anything like that. I actually mean in the secular world, what Mm -hmm. people understand Jesus to be, which is part of a group of people that are anti-abortion, anti, anti harm reduction, uh, anti the people that Jesus calls himself. Right. I even saw a meme online recently around the United States election that said the United States of Canada. And it had like a map of North America and there was a picture of Canada and the states that voted for Joe Biden in white. And then there was red in the states that voted for Donald Trump. And it said Jesus land. And I wrote on the person's comments, people are writing, oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. And I wrote, please do not give them Jesus. <laughs> and that's what I wrote. And nobody responded to me, right? But I, um, because I don't think our society is prepared to recognize who Jesus really is and what Jesus really sent. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be our job to be able to use the text, which is so fascinating because we often talk about not wanting to be literal, but we can literally use the text to subvert the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so great. But we're not doing it yet, I don't think, in a way that has sort of taken root out in the world. Yeah. And I, I mean, one of, my, one of my critiques, I would say, of sort of left-leaning or even mainline Protestantism is like, we say really, really great things and we come up with awesome anti-racist policies and pol- like we have a lot of really awesome um, justice-focused policies. But, but the thing about this text, like if we're actually going to take it, literally take it in, is it is not about what we're saying. It's about what we are, we are doing. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring it up, right? So my work in the opioid crisis, often the conversations that I have with other Christians is get these people they, they will say, I'm not saying it. They will say, get these people into treatment centers. Get mm-hmm. these people into treatment. And it's difficult to try to engage um, that Christian conversation and say, it's okay if somebody is not ready for treatment. Let's keep them alive for another day. Let's give them a supervised consumption site that they can be engaged in. Let's try to figure out a way to help them build a community around themselves so that they have purpose to possibly one day get themselves to that place. Some people will not. And by allowing ourselves as Christians to say, what is it that we can do? Like I read this and I see Jesus exhibiting a harm reduction strategy. This is what you have to do to just get me through another step 
right? This is what you have to do to allow me to have community in my life. And, um, and without that, I will not survive. Uh, I sit there and I look at that piece and I think to myself, why is it that we're always focused on this is the box we want you in mm-hmm. and we're not focused on this is the box you currently are facing or this is reality, I guess is what I would say. This is the reality you are currently facing. And <clears throat> my hope is for the church that we can start to work harder to sort of peel back the biases we hold and start to meet people truly sort of face-to-face. I don't know where I learned face-to-face from, but probably Bible, but I use it quite a bit. (laughs) But that is one of my goals is to truly meet each other where we're at. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Jeffrey. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up this segment? Yes. So um, just so people know, from November 22nd to the 28th is is National Addictions Awareness Week in Canada. And as part of that, the um, United Church uh, Shining Waters Regional Council is going to be hosting some conversations during the week. And so I just wanted to let people know what conversations are being hosted. Um, We have two, one on Wednesday evening with a man named Benjamin Perrin uh, at 7 p.m., It'll be on Zoom. Uh, Benjamin Perrin wrote a book called Overdose, which was published uh, early in the spring. And it is extremely accessible for anyone that is sort of wanting to just learn about the opioid crisis from a sort of most basic level. Benjamin is the former chief legal counsel to the prime minister from um, 2013 to I think 2015 or 16. Um, so that's a really great hour-long conversation to come to. And then the next night, uh, Thursday, November 26th from 7 p.m., is a conversation around politics and supervised consumption and harm reduction. And we have, as our guest speakers, we have a video I pre-recorded with them, Joe Cressy, who is a city councillor in the city of Toronto, and Amory Kungel, who is a city councillor in the city of Barrie. And both of them talk about their experiences with harm reduction supervised consumption and if people are interested in getting the links for those conversations they can email me at jdale d-a-l-e at united-church.ca thank you brianne for this oh perfect and we'll have links to those conversations as well as some more information on the show notes as well for the for this episode if people want to check them out okay well thanks so much jeffrey thank you When I choose love over hate and greed What more could I need? What more could I need? Bask in your surroundings Swim instead of drowning thoughts You may be doubting love Is what I'm standing for Choir and keep Cause to true 
Live without regret to learn You know the art of letting go That was the Foxfires with their song Choose Love. You can find the Foxfires as well as links to their music by going to www.thefoxfires.com. Matthew on Jesus by a Prison Wall from the book Jesus, Son of Man by Khalil Gibran Upon an evening, Jesus passed by a prison that was in the Tower of David and we were walking after him Of a sudden he tarried and laid his cheek against the stones of the prison wall, and thus he spoke. Brothers of my ancient day, my heart beats with your hearts behind the bars. Would that you could be free in my freedom and walk with me and my comrades. You are confined, but not alone. Many are the prisoners who walk the open streets. Their wings are not shorn, but like the peacock they flutter, yet cannot fly. Brothers of my second day, I shall soon visit you in your cells and yield my shoulder to your burden. For the innocent and the guilty are not parted. And like the two bones of the forearm, they shall never be cleaved. Brothers of this day, which is my day, you swam against the current of their reasoning and you were caught. They say I too swim against the current. Perhaps I shall soon be with you, a lawbreaker among lawbreakers. Brothers of a day not yet come, these walls shall fall down, and out of the stones other shapes shall be fashioned by him whose mallet is light, and whose chisel is the wind, and you shall stand free in the freedom of my new day. Thus spoke Jesus, and he walked on and his hand was upon the prison wall until he passed by the Tower of David.
Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. We'll be back next week in a new liturgical year, the first Sunday of Advent. We'll get to hang out with the Gospel of Mark, talk about the end times, and how eschatological texts are actually messages of hope for those existing on the margins. I'm also just kind of excited to say eschatological a bunch of times because it's a pretty fun word. But until then, have a great week. Take care of yourselves and your neighbors. And remember that we are all neighbors. This podcast is brought to you by Shining Waters Regional Council, an administrative grouping within the United Church of Canada. You can find us online at www.shiningwatersregionalcouncil.ca. The King of glory comes, the nation rejoices. Open the gates before him, lift up your voices. Who is this King of glory? How shall we call him? He is Emmanuel, the promised of ages. The King of glory comes, the nation rejoices. Open the gates before him, lift up your voices. Who is this King of glory? How shall we call him? He is Emmanuel, the promised of ages. The King of glory comes, the nation rejoices. Open the gates. Before lift up your voice. Who is this glory? How shall we call him? Emmanuel, the promised of ages. The king of glory comes, the nation rejoices. Open the gates before him, lift up your voice. Who is this glory? How shall we call him? Emmanuel, the promised of ages. The king of glory comes, the nation rejoices. Open the gates before him, lift up your voice. Who is this